You're tuned in to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. I'm your host, Jason P. Woodbury, and each week I'm joined by a fascinating artist for a strange talk in these strange times. Glad to have you here with us today. My guest this episode is sound healer and Reiki practitioner Davy Mambuka, better known as Masma Dreamworld. Her latest LP is called Play at Night and it's out on Northern Spy Records. It's a blend of subterranean bass, spooky backwards mass poetry, and shifting nocturnal soundscapes. Davy took some time out of a recent weekend to speak with me about her global backstory and discuss how DJing influenced her alchemical approach. Together, we played around with the concept of darkness, and I hope you enjoy this talk as much as I enjoyed having it. Speak with you more on the other side. Thanks for being with us here on Aquarium Drunkard. Transmissions. Uh, Davey, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. I've been listening to the record, and uh, I'm really excited to get to talk bum, with bum, you. I think that's the first air horn we've had on yeah! the podcast. That's the first. <laughs> you you did it. You're our first air horn. Anytime, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well. Well, so so the record is really incredible, and it's uh, it's a really intense and kind of uh, evocative and spooky listen. Um, but it's got a lot of layers. So I wanted to start off by asking you, um, in the in the biographical notes, you sort of evoke darkness as sort of something that you wanted to explore and have this record sort of. Um, center around play at night. So uh, I'm curious when, when you use the term, you know, dark, uh, what is that? What does that mean to you? What is, what is, what is darkness in the context of the music of mass dream world? <laughs> darkness. May darkness prevail over your soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like the best way to describe this is to, if you were to close your eyes and imagine yourself walking through a tunnel and then jumping out of the tunnel and ending up in the very beginning of creation. And in that space, there isn't any memory of knowledge. There's just immense possibility, but because the ego cannot see or translate because the ego depends on past knowledge and memories, so therefore it looks like darkness to the ego. So that's what I'm talking about. Sort of this space where 
there is no necessarily beginning or end. It's just existence sort of on its own terms, basically. Is that is that a fair way to put what you're talking about? See, the, the thing is, if we were to describe it, we will still f fall under the description of the ego, which cannot comprehend what, what I'm saying. I think the... The best way yeah. to understand that is to visualize being in a tunnel, which ends up in a space where there is all possibilities, but you are unable to describe it because you don't have any memory of such thing. And so because of that, maybe original fear, because the ego wants to feel secure, then it will be presented to you as darkness. So with this record, um, it sounds to me like you're, you're very comfortable with the idea of maybe making somebody uncertain of how they feel, that there's a certain ambiguity to what you're doing. Because there are times listening to the record where I don't, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it creates a space to sort of wander around in sort of the ambiguity of, of am I a little bit creeped out right now? Am I a little bit like you know, mystified? Is there a little sense of like, it's, it's an exciting record to listen to. Um, but it is also sort of one where, you know, it feels to me like you're giving the listener a lot of space to feel whatever they, they feel. Um, but is there sort of a specific thing that you would sort of like people to at least when they start their listen, kind of find themselves in a certain headspace? Or, or do you just like to leave it up to everybody? to their own kind of uh, experience. I didn't make this record for people. Mm. Did you, you didn't, not even for yourself? For myself, sure. But, um, Let me put it this put it to you this way. I feel like <clears throat> the record is all about discovering who I am through the impulses that I I tend to follow. And I think like the best way to describe that, and I shared this with you with someone else yesterday. It talks about the story of my father when he was, I, I don't know the age, right? It's been a long time since I've spoken to him. Um, but I think it was like, he was seven or something. And there were no schools in his village. Like there was no, like, so he found out that, you know, there was like a school about 10 miles away and his curiosity, in his curiosity, he decided to go there, to walk there. So every day, his mother would pack him the lunch, my grandmother, um, and he would walk those 10 miles and get there and was not allowed in that classroom. And I don't know if it's because he didn't have any money or maybe the age or what it, whatever it is, but besides him not being allowed in the classroom, he, he, he would still stay there and look through the window and learn as much as he could or whatever it is, his interests that he was satisfying. 
And he did that for a year. So 10 miles going, 10 miles coming back at a seven-year-old, so 20 miles. Now, it could have been five miles, but I don't know. You know, it sounds like a good story like that. Also, also yeah, my sure. father sure. told really beautiful stories. So he did that for a year. You know, like that persistence, that discovery, that is it how do you how do you explain that just like this drive to just go and 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 just observe the classroom and then finally a year after he was invited in now if you fast forward his life he became the ambassador of gabon so right this story to me explains why the record exists it's those these things that you do, you can't explain why you're doing it. It's not for validation. It's not for people. It's not even about you anymore. It's just you got to just go walk those 20 miles and be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you talk about in the in the notes, you write that this the record creates a space that offers a uh, and I'll try to quote directly here, a prime opportunity to awaken one's power source from within. Um, I wonder if you could describe a little bit, wh- what is that power source that you're talking about? And what is the power source, what is being in contact with that sort of feel like for you as an artist? Power. Power contact? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I sometimes wonder what Tesla was thinking about when he was making all his crazy ass inventions. Like who the fuck yeah. was talking to him? Like, he was like, yo, my dude, like we're gonna do free energy. Like who who is that talking to him? And I think that's what I, that's, that's the best way to describe it. It's Tesla's mind, you know? Huh. Yeah. yeah. So you get, you get, so you're, you're, I mean, that, that's absolutely, that's, that's fascinating, right? And obviously Tesla is this sort of, he's the forgotten sort of like genius, you know. He's the punk genius. I fucking love this dude. I bet you he was a goth too. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla was a goth punk rocker is, is, you know, I mean, in in, in a a way. He didn't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, right, and he, and because of that, he kind of got excised from the story. He's not part of the official narrative, and so I think for anybody who's been interested in alternate narratives and other ways of thinking, all that stuff, you know, he's like the he's one of the patron saints of you know, forgotten genius. You know, so I think that so it seems it you know, it it, it feels to me like with this record, it's got this, it's got this intensity to it that does feel a little bit otherworldly. Um, would you say, you know, you've already mentioned that he was a goth, uh, you know, uh, would you say that uh, it seems to me like you're you're not uncomfortable uh, sort of playing with the thematic tool of like spookiness or foreboding or uh, disease. Um, you know, is that part of darkness too in the way that you sort of see it the sort of like uh the sort of the shadow side of things where things can be a little bit spooky i mean if somebody tells you listening to this record creeps me out um how does that make you feel i don't give a fuck 
how they feel about yeah. it. Not because I don't like the people that listen to my music. It's just that I don't need any validation from you. I don't need you to tell me right. or put or put that to be my responsibility because I made you feel a certain way because you listened to my music. Well, turn it off. But sure. The spookiness, again, this is all in a Western framework. Uh, and I'm not interested in that. So right. I think the best way to describe this is You know that moment where you're trying to reason out the shit out of your life. You know, you're sitting there and shit's fucked up. And then you get this energy out of nowhere. It can be anger, it can be the next step of it, but it feels a little maddening. That space is what I enjoy. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, obviously, you know, when we talk about things like spookiness or when we talk about, like what you're saying, you know, to the Western ear, these sounds might feel like they imply some sort of unknown or some other, you know, which isn't, you know, that's like all wrapped up in a lot of stuff. Um, but your music draws from all over the place, you know? It does draw from like certain elements of let's say industrial or beat music. And then it does draw from folk elements and it draws from abstract folk elements. elements and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> no. no? Well, I, well, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't mean like Peter, Paul, okay. and Mary or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> cool. I, I, yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, sort of like certain ritualistic kind of music, you know, uh, uh, devotional music, religious music from, from all around the world, yeah. you know? Um, so all of that is wrapped up in there, but it also has this, just this, this other thing that just feels so enveloping, you know? Um, and there's a certain, I, I was interested in, in your relationship to the idea of power with this record because the record has a power. It has a sort of like over overpowering quality where um, to listen to this, it's, I guess you could listen to this and read a book if you wanted, or you could listen to this and do whatever. But the experience that has made the most sense for me is putting it on and focusing on it. You know what I mean? Because uh, it doesn't it doesn't really work in a passive setting as much for me. I need to sort of be paying attention to it. And it almost feels like it kind of oozes out of the speakers in this way that necessitates paying very close attention to it. Um, and I'm just curious, when you're in the studio making this stuff and you're mixing it and you're in the process of kind trying to figure out what it's going to sound like as it comes out of the speakers. You know, you're not making it for a specific listener. You're making it for yourself or you're making it because you just have to make it, you know? Um, but do you, do you, do you think about, um, are you focused on the headspace that it puts you in primarily when you're in the process, when you're in the studio? 
like how, how do you how do you capture the is is there do you have to have a vibe in the studio i guess is what i'm what i'm trying to get at coffee coffee <laughs> <laughs> um i think what you mean with the power thing is number one power can be described in, in so many different ways but i think that maybe what's coming up for you is that whatever it is that you need to feel the power you will get because there's space for creation because we're talking about this space of the unknown. So whatever you need, you'll get out of this album. So that will make sense that that will feel powerful to you. As far as the if there's a mood to that created it, um, I mean, the, the track, I think the best way to describe this is uh, something I read, uh, this book called The Resonance Key, which I fucking love. Like, I love what I read there. And it was mm -hmm. talking about recording and how uh, when you are recording music or anything with, you know, electronically or you capturing with microphone, is that you, these frequencies are spirits. These frequencies are like the elemental are, you know, like the, the spirit of the little tiny flower, those little spirits, that's what those frequencies are. And so when you record them, you trap them in the record. And when you play them, they come alive. So mm. maybe that's what you're noticing is that there are literally tiny little S um, spirits coming out of your speakers. Yeah, I love the sound of that. that. That's a that's a beautiful way to put it. Um, we we have had a few interactions back and forth uh, via social media, and I think yeah, I'm correct I be sliding, when I sliding in your DM like what up, <laughs> what up, Jason? How you doing? Exactly, exactly. And one of the things we we talked about was was Twin Peaks uh, and uh, David Lynch, <laughs> and uh, on back home. Uh, Am I hearing some backwards, some backwards vocals there? Some vocals that have been treated. You don't have to spoil the mystery of what I'm hearing. Let me let me re rephrase. Um, is there is there a little bit of an invocation of of that sort of sound design interest on that song for you? Okay. Um, there was a story in the '90s, or that I was so fascinated about. I was like, this is fucking insane. I love this so much. And I was really obsessed with it when most people were afraid of it. And I think it was the Hotel California like record where they say, if you played it in backward, you will hear satanic chants. Yeah. And ever since I heard that, I it's been an obsession of mine. And so, yes, you can play all of my songs in backwards and you'll get to hear actually what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> that's such a cool, that's such a cool thing to do. So you liked the idea of backwards masking. You weren't, you weren't afraid of that. No, I mean, listen, we have so much technology. Why the fuck not? Also, who gives a fuck about what I'm saying? Cause like, even if okay. I, whatever I'm telling you right now, there is no way for you to understand what I'm saying. It's only going to go through the way you interpret my truth. 
And that becomes your own truth and your own perspective. That's the reason why I have no interest in making music for others. Because if I do that, I'm not going to be authentic. And then second of all is that my truth, it doesn't have to be everyone's truth. Who Actually, matter of fact, no one is right and no one is wrong. And so I'm not really, I'm not really a preachy person. I don't care about preaching. I just want to know that I have this, you know, this blood suit that I carry around called my body. And many, you know, this society celebrates, you know, more positive light, uh, you know, Western, whatever, you know, like, like pop music or whatnot. And because I can do whatever I want, um, I decide to play with the darkness. No one is really talk, like enjoying that. I'm like, all right, cool. Like more darkness for me, you know, like, like <laughs> there's no fucking hell or heaven, you know, in my understanding. Right. So why the fuck not? I'm not afraid of it. So I'll play in there. I'll hang out in there. Yeah. What do you like about playing in that sort of space? What 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 is what does it let you do that like let's say a three minute pop song or whatever wouldn't wouldn't give you the same access to? What do you like about the darkness as an idea? Well, let's make something clear. It's not about the color. Okay. Hmm. The best way to describe this would be. When you're having, um, actually, matter of fact, actually, I have a story for you for that. So <clears throat> I went on vacation with my partner. What was it? St. Croix? Yeah, St. Croix. And it's like burning hot, like it's trop tropical weather, whatever. So I'm, sin I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I go into a trance. And I hear a whole entire not here, I see a whole entire civilization that used to live exactly where we were. And it's almost like I was transported into another dimension. And I saw how there was a ritual between the well people. So well people were like wells from the ocean coming in and mating with the, the, the women of that clan. And then they will have this like well people mixed. So they would do this like on the full moon or, or whatnot. And, you know, I look at my, my partner, I'm like, hey, so, <laughs> so this is what I just saw. He's like, what the fuck you talking about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward, I don't know, four or five years, uh, this summer, I'm, I, I get the the privilege to have a wonderful conversation with neighbors. And I, and I tell them about the well people in my story. And all of a sudden she goes, holy shit, there's a similar story, actually a folklore in South America of dolphin people that would be, that would mate. And I wasn't aware of that, of that um, folklore. Like I, I had no idea. So yeah. To me, that's the exploration of, of just trusting when you are having this moment, which may, may, may make you feel like you're crazy. Is that you should just trust in what you're experiencing yeah. and 
maybe it'll make sense some other time. Maybe it won't ever make sense, but whatever, it's that's exactly. all fine. I'd love to, to ask you a little bit about your childhood. As you mentioned, your father was a Gambonese ambassador and your mom was from Singapore. Where did you, where did you spend the first parts of your childhood? In Gabon. I like yeah. it how people just like a graze over my mom's background. Everyone's so interested in Gabon. Oh, well, well so what brought your mom there? Oh. Um, so my father was the ambassador of Gabon and uh, his job was to go around and open embassies and, and do stuff that amb ambassadors do. And the way my mom describes it is, is that they, she was, her friend invited her to, she was like, oh, there's these like, you know, African diplomats. You know, I know, you know, one of them is my friend, you know, come with me and, you know, let's, let's have, you know, like whatever, you know, like girlfriends, like meeting dudes or whatever, you know, like, hey, you know, all excited, like, ooh, this is exotic. Like, you know, it's like, welcome sure. to America, sure. you know what I mean? And uh, my mom talks about the moment when she walks into the Shangri-La Hotel, which by the way, is one of my favorite hotels. And um, she walks in and she's like describing how she was looking or whatever. And she passes my, by my father and my father looks at her like, like, like she was like, like so, you know what I mean? Like she was like this ball of like light. And my mom, my mom is hot, okay? And um, <laughs> that's how they met, you know, through, you know, because of uh, Auntie Sarah, it was like, okay, let's go. And not going into the details why, you know, she just like randomly decided to go back with him. Like he was like, well, I'm leaving in a, you know, in a week, you want to come to Africa? <laughs> And she was wow. like, yeah. okay. And then she told my grandfather that she was going to Japan. And, oh. uh, and a week <laughs> later, they're calling her. She's in Africa, right? They're calling it like, yeah. so where are you? She's like, I don't know. There are no street numbers. Like, I can't see the street numbers here. You know, it's just, it's just I'm just in a mansion somewhere in, in Africa. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you went to Africa? <laughs> Wow. So wow. my mom doesn't give a fuck. Like she, she just goes with the flow and I guess maybe this is where I got it from. Yeah. So how did you, what brought your family to, to New York and the Bronx later when you were maybe a early teen years, right? What brought me here is not a fun story. Um, mm. But I am not a victim. So it's, it's just the exploration of, of myself in this human, you know, human form that created a, a story such as, you know, my father dying from cancer, um, my mother having to leave right away because her job wasn't stable anymore. And as soon as my, my father was kind of like the security blanket, although they were not together anymore. Um, mm. And she had to rush here and she was already married to this, this dude from Cameroon, which is, which is um, the demon in my story, right? He's the he's the one that literally wanted to destroy my life, like. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, is that I wouldn't be who I, who the fuck I am if it wasn't for a crazy ass stepfather. So, 
Right. So we came, that's how we came here. And then like, I think a year later, my father passed away. And then like three days later, it was 9-11. It was like, or 9-11 and then my father passed away. Yeah. God, that's a, that's a heavy stretch of time right there for sure. Yeah. You, the, the bio talks about how you, you listen to music, you know, uh, it cites Mariah Carey, Tony Braxton, uh, artists like that. And I'm curious, were you listening to a specific radio station or were you more of a tape person or CDs or what? How, how did you, how did you first kind of get, was that some of the first music that you were into or were you already a music head by the time you were in the You say tape and all I can imagine, you know when you wanted to like rewind the tape and then your your finger got stuck and it fucking hurt? Like that's what I just, oh, I yeah. just like got that that image. I'm like, ah, oh, that finger, yeah, or yeah. like just. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've even had it get like stuck like, in what there. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, like, and then you'll use like the pencil or whatever, like, anyways. Right. Um, Tony Braxton. And Mariah, I mean, who doesn't like Tony Braxton and Mariah Carey? I mean, their vocal vocal stylings is just like, you know, like it's all in the notes, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like huh, huh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so the how did I get in Tony Braxton and Mariah Carey? My sister. My sister, so my father had many wives and children. So my half sister, uh, Manu, she um, was obsessed with Tony Braxton and Mariah Carey. And um, actually a lot of parts in in Africa, like hip hop, R&B, all that stuff, like, you know, was all what we listened to in in the nineties, you know, like the Fugees, like, you know what I mean? Like that, actually the Fugees, the tape, that was my first, the first tape I've ever bought. Um, fucking love Lauren Hill. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's just like what my sister listened to, what what everybody else listened to. I wish somebody fucking gave me a tape of The Cure or some shit that I would actually be into, but this is who, this right. is who I was exposed to. But the reason why um, it became an influence to me is because my sister told me that I couldn't sing. Cause like, you know, we'll hang out and then she'll be playing Mariah Carey and I'll be in the back like, ah, you know what I mean? And she's like, um, no. And so, <laughs> so I was like, okay, so that just means that I have to do it. You know, I'm a little like annoying little sister. Like I'm going to learn Mariah Carey's song and I'm going to prove to you that my ass knows how to sing. So I practiced right. with my my best friends, which were the trees at the back of our house. And every day I was I would be screaming back there. I'd be screaming the shit out of one of the Mariah Carey song and learning it. And at some point I, you know, my friends and I felt that I was ready. You know, matter of fact, it was um uh a group of uh, uh, parrots that came through and they were like, yo, you're ready, son. You're ready to go out there and do your thing, girl. So I told my mom, I said, okay, so listen, we got to go to the karaoke because I got some shit that I got to sing for y'all. And like, I'm excited. So it's like a year later, right? We get in there and like, I'm singing this Mariah Carey song. And my mom looks over to my sister and she goes, did you know she knew how to sing? 
And my sister is like, who the fuck knows with this little like demon child that you have. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, she's the one who made me afraid of my of my own darkness. Uh, She she broke it down one day with with, you know, trying to tell me about Jesus and shit because she saw me in in um, in our in my in my bedroom. Uh, I was meditating with the with the lights off. Like I was like, mm. you know, seven or something. I'm like in the dark, like just like fucking meditating. I don't remember. And she came in, she fucking slapped the shit out of me. Sorry, Manu, I'm telling I'm throwing you under the bus here. She slapped the shit out of me. And so I think that this is what I've always been looking for, finding for. So if I were to describe here yeah. night would be finding that moment of being in a space where you don't even realize what you're doing. Like, I don't, I didn't know I was meditating in the dark. Honestly, I don't even know how I ended up there. Mm-hmm. Right? Who, who the fuck else know that what I was doing? Um, and um, my sister giving me that slap, you know, was like, oh, I'm in the dark room meditating. I guess that, that, that looks weird to some, you know? So I, I like right. that's, you know, what plan night is, it's just me wanted to be in my own darkness um and it just so happened it's in a record form and like i'm surprised having this conversation to you about play a night or the music i'm like who the fuck made that song again like i'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like what somebody song else made about? it yeah it's like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor creators Are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes? Social media and streaming platforms help people find your work, but getting you paid is another story. Patreon is built for creators, not advertisers. Using it, you can develop a sustainable income source by offering a recurring membership to your fans. In turn, they'll get access to your exclusive community, premium content, and a chance to become active participants in the work they love. The creative system is broken. Sign up on Patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and start building the steady income stream you deserve. And now, back to Transmissions. So when did you when did you find music that was like you know obviously Mariah and, and Tony Braxton and 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 R and B and songwriters like that there's lots of thematic complexity and it's not just pop music that's easy to digest there's darkness in that too but when did you find music that was more suited to the sort of inner world that you had stuff like The Cure or or goth music was that how did how did you get into that stuff. DJ Jess, may he rest in peace. DJ Jess. Okay, what 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 was what's the story with 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 them? DJ Jess was this for like this like force when it came to uh, New York nightlife. He had a night at Webster Hall, and 
he will play like like the cure he will play like all of the stuff that i fucking miss you know mm-hmm. and i remember the first time i i i i heard the smiths and i was like and then i heard susie and the benches and i was like And I was like in the club yeah. and I'm just like dancing and I'm just like, you know, when like, it's almost, you know, when I, it's almost like someone adopted me and put me in a different family, you know? And <clears throat> I mean, my, my childhood in, in Gabon and the music and the magic, all this, it was pretty dark and I love it. Wonderful. But like, I was like, here's my, this is me. Like, this is what the, like, I was mad. I was almost mad. Like, they hit that shit for me? Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you when you heard that stuff in the club? Are we talking? I wasn't 21 yet, teens, man. 20? No, I was like, yeah. I had to be 20 or some shit. I had yeah. to be 20. Yeah. Maybe even younger. And I was so mad, yeah. yo. And I just ate that shit up. Yeah. When did you did I, I, the the bio also mentions that you spent a lot of time at Tower Records? Was that uh, <laughs> was that was that your favorite record store uh, at at one point? Yeah, you know it was a you know it was in uh, Union Square, um, and I didn't want to go home because if I went home, that means that you know I had to deal with my stepdad, and uh, and that wasn't safe, so. I would, after school, just be like, fuck it, let me go to Tower Records. And mm-hmm. I had this like yearning to stay really close to my African um, roots. So I would go to the world uh, music section and I just ate that shit up. That's how, you know, I found out about uh, Zap Mama. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I mailed out here, you know, I went down that, 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 oh, Enigma. You know, like I went down that path. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? I was listening to Enigma a few days ago. I was like, yo, son, like, I can see the inspiration here, you know, like unconsciously because I listen to the shit. And you know what I loved about listening to Enigma, especially a certain song? It used to scare the crap out of like my family. So I would blast that shit up and be like, I am evil. I've already told (laughs) your asses that I am evil and that's okay too. Yeah, yeah. So you were able to play, I mean, Enigma, when you think about it, you know, it's like, uh, it is interesting that it, that it's scary, but I mean, it's, it's also, it's just really beautiful too and interesting and complex. So, but you weren't afraid. Was that your way of like kind of signaling to your family? Hey, I'm doing my own thing over here. Yeah, It's like, you know, any, every teenager goes through a little like rebellious. I think, I I don't, I, I don't know. I'm always rebellious anyways. When when did when did you start DJing? Officially, like when I started making money. Just yeah, sure. When you when you started making money, sure. Uh, when did you first start? But also, when did you first start like just learning to DJ and and you know and how how did how did how did that get started? I think it just started with like you know back in the day when like you you listen to the radio and then you have your your cassette tape and you like. You record your your like you record your favorite show and you make mixtapes with like the radio station. 
I, I was already oh, yeah. doing that shit. Like I was already doing that because I love music. So I think this would right. be like the beginning of it. Um, as far as like professionally, I remember, um, <laughs> this is a very New York thing actually. Cause I, wa- I walked in, I walked into the, in, in, in this club and I see this DJ dude doing his thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, yo, I'm thinking about being a DJ too, yo. You know, like just randomly, like I was like, huh, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm going to be a DJ. You know, I was like, how much you make anyways a night? Sure. Much, you know, like that's super New Yorker. Like you're like, how much you make a night? You know, how much you making? Yeah. He was like $500, $500. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to be a fucking DJ, bro. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> And then <laughs> that's, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds like a good ass job. Like I want that job, you know? Um, and then he, right. you know, he taught me then, you know, I mean, kind of like when they're all the time being like, when are you teaching me how to DJ, brah? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's very like, yeah, I want to DJ. I think a lot, I think that, you know, becoming the magician from the new record uh, implies that you're comfortable, I think with some, some esoteric or occult ideas, and that that's something that you like to, to play with. I was thinking about DJing, and you know, it, it's it's a weird thing because you kind of are casting a spell as a DJ, right? You know, you're harnessing the power of somebody's art, you know, music that either you recorded or that somebody else recorded. You're contextualizing it in new and novel ways. You're mixing it with other people's art. And you are truly sort of controlling the energy of a room as a DJ. You know, you can slow it down, you can speed it up, you can make things, you know, you have a lot of control as a DJ. So I'm curious if when you're thinking about making music, you know, does it employ any of the same muscle memory uh, that DJing does in terms of in terms of like vibe control or the feel, you know, I mean, how, how important was DJing in terms of you uh, understanding how you like to present your art? There's never another time where an individual is not influencing their environment. So DJ is just, you just so happen to be on the stage and have a bunch of music that does so. But everyone in their little mm. own world bubble is influencing their energy. So you just are, you know, creating like a possibility where you could be in a place where you are being entrained to do, to feel a certain way, like DJ Jess, you know, getting to my heart space, you know. Um, but like in the beginning, I was saying like, when I, when I make the music, it's not really, I, I'm not, I'm not being like the architect of like some sort of like vibe I want to give you because that's not what I'm interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Does subconsciously, uh, do I do I like to have certain aesthetics? Yeah. I, I like certain aesthetics. So maybe that's what's yeah. happening. But consciously deciding to create, you know, a world that would affect other people? No, I don't think so. When you, when you were when you were DJing though, I mean, how often did you did you sort of feel that that 
sense of, 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 well, we've already talked about power a little bit, but that sense of, of control over, over the way things felt. Like, obviously, like you said, we're, we're all doing that on sometimes macro levels where we aren't even aware that we're doing it. But when you're on stage, you have to be aware of what's happening in the room around you. You know, did you, did you read the, the crowd? How did it work? No, I'm just you know? laughing because it's like DJ one-on-one read the crowd. Well, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, if I was reading the, okay. So when it comes to DJing, I had a really good training, I would say, because um, I was able to actually make a living out of DJing. Like I actually paid my yeah. fucking bills with DJing. Very grateful for that. Um, but the reason why I didn't continue DJing is because I wasn't really interested in that because I was always in my own world. And it was more like, this is my mm -hmm. fucking world. Y'all can feel it or not. I was never doing right. anything to, to others. But my energy is just like, I, the whole time I was like, what else do I want to fucking hear? What else do I want to hear? Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, this. Oh, that. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to party. So that right. was contagious to the room. I was in that mm -hmm. state already of having so much fun. And it, it almost at some point is like, I didn't see the people around me anymore. Mm-hmm. You were just in, you were in your, your zone. That booth. And they it's were. It's like the bartender, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you have the bar, like separating you and the mass and it's your world. You create your damn right. world. You like, you're going to wait 15 minutes because you're yelling too much for that drink. Right, right. When it comes, when it comes down to that idea of creating your own world, I mean, does that tie into uh, I know that you 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 study Reiki right um, and is that part of a, a larger field of practice for you um, do you dabble in a lot of things or uh, you know how, do, how does your sort of focus work when it comes to things like you know energy work in, in general well Reiki found me like sound healing found me um, mm -hmm. Reiki I don't uh, listen, Reiki is just a label of something that everybody has anyways. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a, like my, like Roxy Swainhart would say, it's a great permission slip for you to get in touch with the energies, which flows. It's cause it can be, you know, that sort of energy exists in other practices, not called Reiki. You know, this is just like a branded idea, you know, whether mm -hmm. the, you know, the person that came across that first energy uh, at the time, they didn't talk about brands, but that's a branded idea to me. Um, so I was, you know, it found me in a, in a sense where I was heartbroken and I, I ran away um, to Connecticut, <laughs> um, which is actually where I wrote my EP. That's where all the inspiration started coming in was because of Reiki. Reiki opened this this mm. this permission space for me to to um to to remember the the magic that I was having with trees and to trust those energies. Um 
But right now, you know, Reiki is just kind of like breathing for me. It's just like Reiki just means I am in touch with the energies that flows within me. Uh, if I were to put on my ego hat for a second here, um, I, you know, I study sound therapy. So that's maybe what's coming through, you know, like I have a knowledge of what frequencies does what, blah, 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 blah. How did you become interested in that sort of stuff? And and well, and more specifically, what was the bridge like from let's say DJing to like sound therapy? DJ to sound therapy. Well, before sound therapy, there was Masma Dream World. So Masma Dream World is what, you know, as I as I was creating the EP or whatnot, um, I started to to dive more into that energy flow, that Reiki, whatever thing that that opened up to uh, of other possibilities. And yes, I you know I I do love the occult because it's fun stories, um, and so it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like being in total trust and then having like little breadcrumbs along the way, which just is like okay, this is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm going to do now, and it so happened to to happen that like most of those things are either because it's a heartbreak or my mom got shot or that I get an abortion or uh, <laughs> or I have a dream about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like all these little things happening in my life are just like always at the end of a tragedy for me, there's always a light. Mm. So it's, So that stuff, yeah, it's, it's connected. connected. Like it's because for me to be like chronologically, like explain this to you, it's just like it does. It wouldn't make any sense because it's just like life is happening, and I just end up in places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so does having this record out. Uh, does that feel? What does that feel like? What's it like to release a record in this year where uh, all of the normal things that we would be doing around a record, i.e. touring or uh, who knows what, you know, going to radio stations. and so, I mean, obviously we can do things like this, but what's it like putting a record out in this year for you? It's the perfect explanation of embracing the unknown. Mm. Mm. Right, because there's no shortage of the unknown this year. I think that we all are realizing that we can't say what's going to happen next week, let alone, you know, four months from now, five months from now. So, yeah, so you feel kind of comfortable with this record existing as a reminder that the unknown is there waiting for us to just exist in it? I think that this year is just that the we all have 2020 vision now. That we actually are seeing clearly what's going on, and I've I've been seeing clearly for a little while. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I I recorded this this record when twenty twenty wasn't there, and <clears throat> it's kind of like being on the edge of the unknown, being on the edge of not knowing what what next is going to happen. It's kind of a place where I'm at naturally so mm -hmm. to me i almost felt like holy shit that make like it, it, it honestly like i call up northern spy i was like 
now we, we're releasing this. This is the perfect year to release this album. And why? Because yeah. then when there was so much noise before, I don't know how the, the album was going to, to be received compared to right now when there's less noise. You know, it's almost like yeah. it's it's yeah. it's the album of 2020 in, in a sense, because it's all about the unknown. Um, yeah. Not to sound cocky or anything like that. It's just that it gives you permission to jump in the pool of the unknown. Like we were talking about in the beginning of our conversation, walking down the tunnel and jumping into infinity. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd like to 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 kind of wrap up. I'd I'd love to ask a little bit about just in general, what what have what have you been what have you been listening to? Lately? I'm really <laughs> curious. Uh I feel like that's normally a little bit of a boring question, but at the same time this year, it feels so much more interesting because people are unplugged from the sort of cycles of like, I have to pay attention to this new record that is the, everybody's just listening to whatever they really are drawn most closely to. So what, 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 what's been, what's, what, what have you been listening to lately? I love what Prince once said about when someone asked me that question. He was like, I make music, therefore I don't listen to it. <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a good point. <laughs> no, I've been listening to the Melvins, man. Like yeah. Melvins, um Moondog. A lot of fucking Moondog. Uh, um Yo, Moon, Moon Dog is the fucking bomb, man. Like, it's like every time I hear Moon Dog, all this to me, I just hear like a doomy track in my head. Like I hear it, and it's just like Melvin's and and Moon Dog. You know, it's just like has the yeah. same kind of like tension, breath, intensity, focus, very precise type of sound. That I that I I really really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, and he fe he feels intrinsically New York as well. Yeah. You know, in terms of uh, there's this like this tapped into this like heavy energy of like this place with so many people from so the many Viking places. The Viking of Sixth Avenue. It, it, exactly. Exactly. So um, so yeah, I I. I guess just just to close, I'd love to ask a, a little bit about the visual presentation of this album. Uh, I was looking through sort of all the the art and everything, and it feels to me. Well, you know what? I'm afraid that I'm going to ask you something that you've already answered, which is to say, uh, when I, when I look at it, everything is blurry and a little bit like you have to to look in a certain. You have to kind of like relax your eyes to sort of take in the image because it feels like there's there's a lot of the album cover specifically you know there's this motion to it um and unlike a still photo of you um there's that sense of the unknown in the album art uh what was the what was the what was the photo session like and were you uh going for something did you have a vision of what the album cover looked like know. before you all made it no <laughs> Yeah. No. Um, Josh Lee is a fucking genius, number one. Oh. 
it's kind of crazy because we met during the the EP release and mm -hmm. Josh, she came up to me and was like, yo, I fucking love your music, bro. Like, I, I feel like you are playing music that resonate within my soul. And I was like, your fucking pictures do the same for me. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. we're I'm just I can't speak for him, but I know I'm totally in love with it, with him and especially his soul. Like, it's just who the fuck has an eye like that, you know? Um, that I know that's alive, that's a friend of mine. Obviously, there's plenty of people with beautiful eyes. Beautiful eyes, beautiful eyes. <laughs> and I had Matt, um, I had uh, Aaron, uh, Matt Black Soul, um, and they are um, this amazing, like, number one, the way they, they they're a movement artist. But not only are they a movement artist, they also understand um, how to put materials together to create an effect. So I was styled by by Aaron, um, and so it was kind of like, "Hey, what's up? I'm gonna do a bunch of pictures. You know, it's it's COVID. I have an idea. Let's see what the fuck happens." And then we got there and we just we just shot it. Uh, but I guess it's again what we're talking about with the story with the the dolphin people and the whale people. It's just that something happens, you just trust in it, and then you just follow the breadcrumbs, and then it becomes that. And then we saw the pictures, and we we're like, "Holy, holy moly! This is this is cool." And um, my partner, Deafness, uh, you know, like did the the. the not the this, not the photo itself, but the design of the of the uh, the record, like you know, like the mm -hmm. type font and everything, and pretty much was like this this picture, like chose a picture and was like, cause uh, they're also like a photo researcher. Their eyes is just a beautiful eye too, and it was just like that's the photo for the that's the one, you know. Yeah, and you saw it, and you were you agreed, or you saw it, and you were like. Sounds good. Uh, I'll let you make that decision. How did how did it how did that particular image make you feel when you saw it? <clears throat> you know what that reminds me of. Uh, I grew up in a haunted house, and sometimes I would be doing my homework, and then I would look up, and there would be like a running white someone in white or a woman in white running. And it was just like, it's just like this, like, it's like the peripheral. It's like this, like, you can't see the form, but you just see the motion. It's just like that swip of things, but you know, it's there, you've seen it. And it's just pure energy that's, that's, that is trying to find form into space. Mm. And when I saw that picture, yeah. it reminded me of, of that go my, one of my favorite ghosts. Actually, my father was like, ah, oh, don't worry about her. She's here to protect us. Wow. So you had a healthy, a, a helpful relationship with that particular ghost. I never talked to her, but she used to run. I used to be like, yo, son, I'm, I'm going to put some like needles on the floor. So like you can like, because <laughs> she's running all over the fucking place. Like who, who the fucking invited you into that, this house and you think you could just run around and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I went up to my father. I was like, what's going on with this ghost, man? This girl is just running around thinking it's she doesn't even pay rent and she's running around this place. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that's 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 an incredible. Hey, listen, story if you got ghosts in your house, you call me. I'm, I I will curse the shit out of those ghosts and, and get them out. Okay, I've I have been con- I have been concerned that there might be something going on in my house. We've got some weird electrical stuff going on. So, but that probably just means we need to have an electrician out. To be honest, but anyway, we'll we'll I'll keep you posted Good. on that. Who are you gonna call? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna call you apparently. <laughs> Davey, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk with with me and to explain an album that doesn't want to be explained. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> doesn't need explanation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I appreciate. I appreciate. But I appreciate talking nonetheless. So, thanks so thank much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast. I'm your host, Jason P. Woodbury. I write and produce the show. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Michael Krasner records supplemental audio. Jonathan Mark Walls does video production. Art by Dean Orson and Heavy Hymns. Executive producer and guru, Justin Gage. If you enjoyed our show, please share it with a friend. Let them know they can get it wherever they listen to podcasts and direct from Aquarium Drunkard. If you want to take your support a step further, check us out over on Patreon. Transmissions airs every Wednesday with bonus drops when we feel like it. We'll be back next week with another strange talk for these strange times. (laughs) 